0: Thanks for listening to episode 33 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, I'm the director of Sum Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Lauren Shuttleworth. Lauren Shuttleworth is a social entrepreneur, gender equality activist, and a global shaper with the World Economic Forum. She's passionate about female education and the economic power of social enterprise. Since launching Words with Heart in late 2014, the company has funded over 70,000 days of education for women and girls in the developing world. Lauren has been awarded grants with Macquarie and ING Direct and was a finalist in the Brisbane Young Entrepreneur Awards. Lauren has presented at conferences including TEDx, UN Youth Australia and Women of the World. And recently, she won the Australian final for Shivers Venture, a $1 million global pitching and competition for social enterprise. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Lauren's journey as she shares her experience working in the social enterprise sector. We'll get Lauren's insights and perspective on social innovation opportunities, and we'll get her tips and advice on starting new social enterprises. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk to you.
0: It is, certainly. So to start things off, Lauren, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you down the path of starting up a social enterprise? Sure. So
1: I started up my social enterprise, Words With Heart, uh, at the end of 2014. And for me, I guess I didn't necessarily start it with the intention that it was going to be a social enterprise initially. So to go back to the beginning, I was volunteering overseas for a couple of months and I was at a school in Kenya mm. and I met a young girl there, she was in one of my classes, her name is Esther. And Esther was 10 years old, super sassy, smart, bright girl, um, top of her class. But uh, sadly, near the end of my time volunteering there, one of the teachers had pulled me aside and explained that Esther was going to have to drop out of school. And that was pretty much because the orphanage where she lived couldn't pay her school fees anymore. Wow. And I was really shocked by that. I think it didn't really hit home that that was a possibility. Uh, so I offered to pay for Esther's school fees and you know, discovered they were actually not very much at all, like $100 for everything that she would need for that term, including uniforms and mm. books, etc. And you know felt pretty good about that, went home, but then really started to think about you know, what would happen the year after, and the year after that, and you know, what about all the other girls just like Esther. Mm-hmm. And so started to do a bit of research around the problem of girls' access um, to education and discovered you know, it was so much bigger than just this little uh, school in Kenya, and decided, okay, I really want to do something about this. and had looked up you know, out a charity. But realized pretty quickly that it was a problem that fundraising donations alone wasn't going to solve, and thought, okay, I need a business solution for this. And kind of stumbled across social enterprise as a concept and just thought, this is perfect. You know, it's like mm. um, the combination of charity meets business, uh, it's right in the middle. And I thought, yeah, this is, I think, the avenue to go down. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of my foray into into social enterprise and then just kind of found my feet (laughs) as it began.
0: Mm, Fantastic. So tell us more about Words with Heart then. Like what exactly does this social enterprise do and how does it operate?
1: So Words with Heart is a print and stationery company that funds education projects for women and girls in the developing world. So we produce all kinds of business and personal stationery. So things like business cards, postcards, notebooks, um, pretty much anything you can think of that is stationery. Yep. And um, we produce it sustainably. So it's all made with recycled paper, with eco inks, with green electricity, and then we build in the cost of education days into the products themselves. So say, for example, you know, one of our clients, is ING Direct, you know, they. Might buy a hundred notebooks for us, uh, from us, and we will let them know, you know how many days of education that's funding. So that mm. will fund hundred days of education. It's also saving ten kilos of landfill, seventeen kilos of wood. So we kind of provide all of this incredible data for those companies and individuals to to use, uh, however they they want to. So it's really about tapping into the social procurement space, mm. and you know, providing an essential product at the same cost and same quality as you know someone would buy anywhere, but with this powerful and measurable social and environmental impact.
0: Mm, very interesting to hear. So I imagine you've come up against a few challenges until now. So what have been the biggest barriers and how did you navigate your way around them? There's always
1: so many challenges hard to pick the biggest ones. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about starting as being really hard. I don't think that was ever a challenge for me, actually. I was so passionate about the idea and just kind of, you know, the kind of person that wants to just throw it out there and get going and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, So we launched through a crowdfunding campaign, uh, actually, and that was, I think, a really great way to begin because we were able to, I was able to, test the idea, see if it was just me that was passionate about it or if other people thought it had um, some potential. And, you know, we ended up uh, pre-selling about $20,000 worth of stationery in that campaign, which, you know, kicked us off. So mm. I think that, that was never a, a – it's always a difficult to pull everything together and, you know, figure out the bits. Like I didn't – I had no idea how to start a stationery company when I launched it. I have no background in in the print space. Um so, you know, but it was just going, okay, I don't really know how to do this. Let me, let me Google, let me mm. chat to, let me find the avenues. Um, so there were challenges, maybe not the biggest challenges. I actually think the biggest challenges are still ahead of us. I think the tough bit was once we launched, maintaining that momentum and really being able to juggle something that was a side gig passion project and, you know, the demands of that side gig as it grew and jumping from, you know, leaving a full-time job to a part-time job to taking that leap of, okay, this, this company has, you know, so much potential, I'm going to put all my energy into it and mm. just take a chance. I think that is a, a hard thing to do because you get a bit of buzz once you start something, but then to kind of keep that going is actually really hard.
0: Yeah, I bet it's, it's been a very interesting journey to watch. So what advice would you give to other social entrepreneurs then who are starting their own journey? I would say
1: just start is the, is the big one. Um, whenever I'm asked this question, I always just to say, look, I think the biggest learning is the learning that you pick up along the way. Mm. Uh, you're not gonna be able to get everything all in a row, all perfect prior to launch, so don't even try. And what, what happened for us was when we initially launched, we had the idea of being a retail stationery company and kind of having a bit of a KKK type focus um, with a social impact and environmental impact. Yeah. But then quickly realized as we grew that there was a lot more interest coming from businesses. And at that stage, we were only producing you know, notebooks and certain range of stationery, but Everyone was asking, oh, can you do business cards for us? Can you do this? And I didn't really know how that was going to happen. So we completely rejigged the business model and it, um, it that completely revolutionized you know, who we are and our impact now. Mm. So I would never have been able to have pre-planned that at the start. Yeah. I think the biggest thing to starting a social enterprise is to have an idea just to begin and pivot as you go.
0: I think that's really good advice. And it's obviously taken you quite away at the moment because you're a finalist in this year's Global Shivers Venture Competition for Social Businesses. Lat saw you spend a week recently in Oxford. Can you tell us more about this experience? It sounds like it's yes. it's been yeah. quite a journey.
1: It was incredible. It was a great experience. It's a great competition that Shivers have actually. And it's quite a commitment because it started way back in November last year um, with the Australian final. And, yeah, it was just such a high caliber of judges um, and entrants. And, entrance. and um, winning that then took me to being one of the 30 finalists. They have 30 finalists from all over the world, uh, all fantastic social entrepreneurs. Uh, and we all went to Oxford uh, University for a week in March. So they have a institute there for social enterprise, which is – considered, I guess, the best in the world, and Mm. um, just being able to have access to such incredible professors and experts in so many areas of social impact measurement and um, investment for social enterprise, uh, you know, just pretty much every aspect of the business, uh, you know, it was just fantastic, Uh, and also being able to connect and meet all of those other entrepreneurs uh, with such incredible businesses. Um, and all at a very similar uh, stage in terms of the growth of their business. They're mm. all focusing on scaling. So I think that was a really fantastic thing as well. In Australia, I think the social enterprise sector is still a little bit immature.
0: Mm. And so
1: a lot of the focus, a lot of the attention is around you know how to start a social enterprise. And there's very little expertise in terms of how to scale a social enterprise beyond something small to you know, like a, a really big startup, mm. um, whereas, you know, in the UK, they've got uh, billion dollar social enterprises, um, social enterprise that have been around for, you know, de- like over a decade, and just to be able to see, you know, for us, that's the vision of, okay, that's where we want to go, like, that's that's where we see ourselves, um, and be a- being able to ask direct questions and make those direct connections with, social enterprises that have yeah, achieved that kind of success is, mm. was pretty exciting. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, I bet, it, I bet it has been. So what do you think then are the most effective ways to measure your social impact?
1: I think the measurement of social impact is so important and it's something that I'm actually really passionate about In and it's advice that I often give to aspiring social entrepreneurs is to really, really think about... And question and challenge yourself around how valuable the social impact is that you're creating. So, by that I mean, for us, when we first started, I'd looked at, okay, wanted to fund girls' education, and I had the idea of doing that through a stationary range of stationary products, Mm. but wanted to make sure that I wasn't shifting the problem of access to education uh, to. You know, deforestation by printing all of this paper on, you know, in a way that wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. So uh, it became really important to me to, to really look at how could we do this differently? How could we do it, you know, through digital printing and on recycled paper, all those kind of things. So I think when you're measuring your social impact as a social enterprise, you have to look at um, beyond the obvious. You know, there are the one for one model, for example, is very popular, but looking at how, okay, if you're creating a one-for-one model, what is the social impact that you're creating, and does it really have a long-term impact, Um, and also, you know, just looking at, for us, what was really important was the impact model, where we build in the cost of of, uh, education days into our product, so we measure everything in education days, and that was important to me, rather than kind of saying, we give 50% of our profits, um, to, uh, to social causes because sometimes it's really hard to understand what fifty percent of profits really is mm. as a, a consumer's perspective. So I think being able to have something that's tangible and meaningful, like most people know what a day of education is. Yeah. Um, it it keeps us accountable. It helps us measure our impact very very easily. Uh, and we've set up really strong partnerships with um, you know some of the world's best. Uh, charities in our space. So, yeah, I, I think that's something that uh, I really encourage social enterprises to look at and thoroughly examine. Like, what exactly is your change helping to create long term um, hmm. beyond you know sort of the initial feel good factor? Yeah. And I think moving forward, as social enterprise becomes more and more popular, and it is, it's growing so much that that is going to be something that will separate the true social enterprises from maybe a marketing focus from a traditional business. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a big one.
0: Yeah, there's some great insights in there. So where do you see the most potential in Australia then for social innovation?
1: So I think uh, in the future for Australia, I see social procurement being really big. Mm. And I see, as, and we're already seeing it in a, in a few areas. Like in Victoria, for example, the state government has yeah. just uh, designated a whole bunch of funding to procurement from social enterprises. Um, and I think that's what's so powerful. Like, I love that concept of businesses, governments, individuals being able to make a choice that doesn't cost them any more, doesn't sacrifice quality in any way. Mm. But they're able to create this incredible. Social and environmental impacts just through that choice. So I think that will grow more. I'd love to see it grow more, where it becomes a norm for businesses to um, really look at the social measurement side when they're making decisions around procurement.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, I mean, it's, there's just so many great things happening all the time. Like the, you know, the combination of technology tackling, you know age-old social issues in a new way is fascinating mm. um, and I've seen some great things overseas in that respect um, so it would be really interesting to see how that might apply to Australia yeah um, but yeah you know, for me I think I'm, I'm so passionate about girls education as a space because for me I see it as uh, not as an issue that has you know touched me personally but um, it's such a such a ripple effect across so many other areas of development mm. and I think that is what is going to be really key to social impact too is looking at areas where you can create a change not just in that one space but how that change will then impact further change and further change and further change and mm. be really smart about like leveraging social impact in that way.
0: Yeah. Definitely. You mentioned the Victorian government's new focus on this space just, just previously, and it's something we've spoken about with other uh, people and other leaders on Impact Boom before. So from your perspective, from when we talk about policy, what do you believe are the key steps the government needs to take in order to, to help foster and support an innovative social sector?
1: I definitely think that there should be some sort of uh, middle... I think this is important, super, super important. And I think the UK has done this uh, well, where we can create an actual third sector, mm. um, you know, not just charity, not just business, but we can create something that, um, you know, from a legis- legislation point of view, that can account for this emerging space, mm. uh, and and that way we can have some kind of body that um, recognizes what is a social enterprise, you know, I think we need a stamp of some kind, Um, to be honest, as the industry grows and evolves so much, like I I think that's only going to keep on happening and the lines are going to blur a little bit as business becomes more and more um, socially minded Hmm. and then charities become a lot more business focused. So I think we need to, yeah, look at that sort of setting up some sort of structure. Um, but I think it'd be great if there were incentives as well uh, for businesses to procure and government to procure from um, social enterprises mm. looking at how valuable that social impact is yeah. to government um, you know in so many different ways in the way that, this, that that social impact creates savings for government maybe in health or you know whatever um, whatever factor it might be so yeah I think it's definitely a language that is still quite foreign to a lot of people. It, still not unusual for people to ask me, you know, what is social enterprise? Mm. So as it becomes a little bit well-known and as I think uh, space is created for it, I can only see positive things um, coming from that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've, you've just mentioned the UK. Are there any countries uh, like the UK or others that you believe are really leading the charge then when it comes to social innovation?
1: Um, I would say... I mean, the UK is the standout um, as far as I'm aware. Uh, But I I was so, I guess, heartened uh, through the Shivers venture to see the incredible innovation that's happening in every single country. I Mm. mean, amazing things. And everyone's got their own unique challenges. And then, you know, uh, and the opposite, everyone's got advantages within, I guess, you know, the innovation space set aside from from the social aspect but then yeah it, i think there's still such a separation and the way that people are kind of leveraging those spaces individually that makes sense so mm. people might be tapping into a lot of funding that's happening in different countries like china has so much funding for entrepreneurs and innovation um whereas you know other countries are looking a lot more at uh there's funding available for just solving social issues so you know it it's so the way that people are really cleverly managing to play both sides, I guess. Mm, yeah. so it would be great if there was a lot more focused on you know pure social enterprise, but it's very rare.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting to hear. So what other inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently which you believe are creating some excellent positive social change?
1: Cool. Um, I really love, a friend of mine runs a social enterprise out of Melbourne Called Suno, which I think is incredible. Mm. Um, So Suno is a a company that that sells female hygiene products, and they she's Rosalind Campbell, has the name. She's incredible work. Um, So it's feminine hygiene products, sanitary pads, tampons that are made sustainably, and then profits go to fund uh, education and health initiatives for women and girls. Mm. But she also does some incredible work with you know, share at Dignity, uh, a charity here in Australia that supports women from uh, experiencing homelessness or yep. experiencing disadvantage um, with accessing female hygiene products. And, you know, she's expanding uh, her business overseas now. She's stocked with distributors internationally. So she's done, I think, a really great job of creating a unique brand that people mm. really connect with super transparent, you know, everything I think that is important in social enterprise, um, measurable impact. Uh, yeah, and she's just going from strength to strength. So I love that. And it's, again, that, that's, I love that simple that simplicity of being able to just choose a product that people, women, buy every single day. And, you know, the same cost, same quality, but with this really significant and measurable impact, both mm. socially and environmentally.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like a great initiative. So to finish off, then, Lauren, are there any really great books that you'd recommend to our listeners?
1: Or so many books, as I guess many entrepreneurs would say. I think so much of what we do is read and read and read and yeah. try and get some insights <laughs> um, But one I love is called Half the Sky uh, by Nicholas Kristof and Cheryl Wooden. Mm. So it's a great book that's just focused on women and really analyzing um, the power of women across the world and how if we... Turn uh, that oppression into to opportunity. The incredible effect that does have. Mm. Um, so that really, really inspired me in terms of how very small changes can have massive impacts uh, long term if we focus on uh, women. Yeah. And then I'm going to talk about more books that are <laughs> that are uh, focusing on women. I love uh, Laura Steinman is a uh, yeah an idol of mine. She's just such an incredible, such incredible work for both. Environmental causes, but also feminism. Mm. And she's got a whole bunch of great books. But uh, I saw her recently speak, and her recent book, I think it's called Life on the Road, is quite fantastic. So I would certainly recommend um, those two books to listeners.
0: Great. Well, they sound like a, a couple of really good ones. I'll stick some links below the article. I think there's some really, really nice insights that you've shared today, Lauren. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks for sharing your experience and best of luck with the competition. And we'll look forward to seeing how your journey progresses.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to chat.
0: Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org.